Welcome back to Word and Table, a weekly podcast on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship and why it is vital in our world today. I'm your host, Alex Wilgus, and I'm here as always with Father Stephen Gauthier. Welcome back, Father Stephen. Great to be back, Father Alex. Father Stephen is the canon theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America, and he is director of formation at St. Paul's House of Formation in the Greenhouse Movement. Father Stephen, you know, growing up in church, I always knew that in the scriptures, there were four Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But sometimes, you know, when I I started reading uh, history and historians that were, you know, talking about Jesus Christ, I was actually surprised that sometimes they would name more than just the four Gospels to you know, talk about where do we get our information about Jesus Christ, the man who really lived, you know, 2000 plus years ago. And one of them, one of these extra gospels that they would cite probably the most frequently was called the gospel of Thomas. So I was actually quite surprised to think there were people out there that didn't just look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but also looked at this, this gospel of Thomas. Um, and so I, I want to talk about what is the Gospel of Thomas and, you know, what's the, let's just go through it like we do other ancient texts that we've done. You know, what's the, what's its story, you know, of its, of its writing and its discovery? What's its literary structure when we actually open the thing up? Um, but also maybe since it's, uh, uh, since it's um, at least claiming to be a gospel, we might talk about, you know, what is the role of Jesus in the gospel of Thomas, um, and you know what's its its uh, value uh, for us today, if any. Uh, so so let's uh, let's 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 jump into it. Um, where do we get this actual document, this text, the Gospel of Thomas? Where do we get it from? Well, you're right. There are a number of gospels, so to speak, of other things claiming to have written about the story of Jesus. And however, the Gospel of Thomas is certainly is the most popular you know, the one that really captured public public imagination. If you're going to read another, quote, gospel of these this category of, of basically apocryphal writings, if you're going to read one, it's going to be the Gospel of Thomas. So what's the story of it? Well, basically, uh, back in 1897 and then 1903, there's a town in Egypt called Oxyrhynchus, okay? Very Greek name, by the way, Oxyrhynchus, okay? And guess what they found? They found pieces of a Greek manuscript, three pieces of a Greek manuscript, okay, from this Gospel of Thomas. Actually, the Gospel of Thomas, we have the whole thing, is actually 114 pieces. And they found three different pieces of manuscript that together would give us 20 of them. This was very exciting to people when they found it, but it gets better. So what happened then is night, that's at the turn of the century, you know, the beginning of the last century, the 20th century. But in 1945, they really came upon, you know, the uh, treasure trove. They ran at a place called Nam Hagadi, uh, you know, uh, they came, in Egypt. They came across what they call the Nam Hagadi Library, okay? And the Nam Hagadi Library basically meant they dug up 52 different early Christian manuscripts, that's amazing. There's nothing quite like it. The Don Pagani Library. So when you nothing. say a library, you're not talking about, you know, a building with rows of books and someone trying to get you to be quiet. This is a, a, a trove of 
a trove of documents. A trove of manuscripts. Okay. Yeah, it's it's not you don't we don't have the, the library lady or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. We and you say you know you have to have a cover on your on your coffee, but in any event, in 1945 they find these. And what's really neat about this is they knew this Gospel of Thomas existed, but they, they, it's a whole thing. They found it translated into Coptic. Now, Coptic, by the way, for our listeners, is people who lived in Egypt before Arabic is the language of the Arabs when they invaded Egypt after after Muhammad. But the actual people who lived there were called Copts, meaning Egyptians. That's what Cop means, Egyptian, in Egyptian. So in Egyptian, they had a translation of the whole thing, the entire 114 pieces of this. People were really excited about this. And you might say, why are they so excited? Is people are forever thinking, you know, we have orthodoxy, but how do we know sort of ancient aliens comes to biblical scholarship? How do we know that what the real gospel was before the, those orthodox people? You know, maybe there's the, the, we can find the real thing out there. Okay, so is this, so you're talking about a kind of Da Vinci Code sort of idea that, you know, maybe the church has actually been lying to you all these years about who Jesus was, et cetera, et cetera. Well, they would say yes. That what you know, we just chose one of these many streams, but you know, there's a richness out there we need to explore. Uh huh. Okay. You know, creative. You know, do-it-yourself Christianity type of thing. Okay. Now we know about this. By the way, one of the reasons we got excited is we knew about this document because of Eusebius. Eusebius is the great historian who wrote the ecclesiastical history, and he told us this existed. He said it was fake. He said, for example, uh, he said there's the Gospels of Peter and Thomas and Matthias and. Uh, and the Acts of Andrew, and he said, you know, that they um, that they no churches recognize them. He said, yeah, they're out there, but no one recognizes them. Okay, so the great church historian Eusebius, he he already had the number of the Gospel of Thomas, and he he doesn't accept it. No, he said the whole thing to him is, well, the church recognized it. You know, here we have people who knew the apostles. Did the church? No, he said no one recognizes this. Okay, I see. So this is out there, but it's not necessarily recognized by the whole church. No, there are many. It's it a growth category, you know. And so basically saying, no, nah, it's out there, but he says it's, no one recognizes. It's, not, it's not, uh, not divinely inspired. Now, what's really interesting, we think we know what a gospel looks like. You are so wrong when it comes to the gospel of Thomas. It's nothing what you'd think at all. At all. There's not a single miracle. No mention of Jesus' passion or death. None. No resurrection. Actually, there are no narratives at all. So what it is is simply a collection of sayings. Okay. I can see why this would uh, really be attractive to a certain kind of biblical scholar in the 1800s and 1900s. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's obvious you know, why they find this very attractive. So what it is is what really attracted people, though, is this. You know, we know that, um, you know, uh, for example, you've heard of the Q. Is some people argue that we know that, for example, both Luke and uh, Matthew used Mark as the source. But we also know there are some things that are present in Luke and in Matthew that are not in Mark, but the other two share them. And we people said, well, Q is from Kela, and in, in um, it, it means German source. They said that somebody else there must have been some collection they were looking at. We don't know about that idea. Of the, the the Q, some of the other source. Well, the theory was that there were people at collections of sayings of Jesus. You know, that early on in the church is that what people did is they'd say, hey, here are some things Jesus said. You know, our particular church has five of them or something like this. And then the people writing the gospels, they would look at these old collections and then sort of put them together and make them into a gospel. So they were excited saying, this might be one of those originals. Okay, like maybe the gospel of Thomas is sort of 
a left out part of the raw materials from which the canonical gospels were 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 made. That was the idea. Yeah, but it's the idea would be really really old. It could really represent uh, some of the earliest stuff before mm-hmm. we even had the gospels. The gospels came a little later. Uh, that we had the, the the writings of the epistles and things first. And they're saying, you know, in the earliest time, all we had with Jesus, their view is we had these collections of people, sayings, things that Jesus had said. They yeah. collected a collection. Yeah. And we call those, lo, a logion simply means a word of Jesus. Logos, a logion means a saying of Jesus. And logia is the plural, uh, you know. So they say we had these, it's, it's, this is a collection of 114 sayings of Jesus. So are saying this might tell us authentically because nobody put it into something. It's the real thing. That kind of idea. Okay. Okay. I see. So this is the the idea is that this is something that, you know, the churches, the church or the, the Orthodox tradition of the faith has, you know, marginalized or left out. But, you know, as far as we can, we're concerned, this is, this is as authentic a, a, a an account of Christianity as, as anything. Um, so that's the idea. That's kind of the, yeah. the National Geographic channel uh, or Discovery yeah. Channel idea. Of this. It's yeah. like we're looking at the original stuff they might have used to write a gospel. You know, these are, they would their idea. They went out there and they find, hey, do you have a list of all these things of Jesus? Collect them and put it together. So, what do we actually find in this Gospel of Thomas? Well, eighty percent of the material is actually in some way related to canonical Gospels, but with a very different take. Jesus says something, but the take I will talk about that is really different. Another way is why the Gospel of Thomas. By the way, you'll love this. Is the name God? You know, we're told the Gospel. The name Thomas is uh, is a term is uh, uh, you know means twin. Didymus is twin in Greek, you know, Thomas, twin. And people actually thought in one of the early traditions that Thomas was actually the twin brother of Jesus. Who knew? Oh, so his twin is Jesus. Okay. Yeah. I, I okay, no got it. Yeah, yeah, but he had a twin brother, apparently. Okay, this is what those kind of things happen. Okay, and the idea would be, and this is when we talk about the idea of the Gospel of Thomas, we're going to talk about Gnosticism and thing, is the idea that bring, reuniting would have been separated, that kind of thing. So we find this list of 114 sayings of Jesus and people say, wow, this could be really older than the Gospels in the sense that this is one of those early collections of things in which they made Gospels. So we get even more authentic. You know, we get really, really old. So maybe we should talk about, you're, you're saying that the Gospel of Thomas is this, it may relate to different episodes in the canonical Gospels, but it puts a very different spin on it. So maybe we could talk about, you know, how does it present Jesus here. Well, first of all, it's never it's never an episode that says Jesus never does anything. He talks. So we're talking about the things we'll see we'll recognize as saying, but he doesn't do anything because this is really connected with early Gnosticism. Uh, Gnosis is the Greek word for knowledge. And this was basically like Platonism and things. This was a notion of, you know what Jesus really was as a great teacher. You know, we know the story of the Buddha right to the enlightened one is he discovers this truth and he just because he said wow there it is so jesus in the gospel of thomas is is really a buddha he really discovers you know the way out of our tragic we're in a tragic dilemma and he finds the way out that he can share with us so he doesn't do anything he doesn't die on the cross or anything like that miracles he just discovers you know he somehow has the answer for us that how we can get out of this terrible position we're in which will be salvation now, you probably want to know, what is this terrible position? Yeah. <laughs> it's worse than you ever imagined. Okay. Oh, no. What happened is our soul actually has a divine origin. It really comes from God. But here's what happened. It was in a cosmic accident. 
I know I'm talking. I'm not talking fender bender here. I mean cosmic accident. Okay, you know it's like it's like when you end up with um, with paint on your fenders and things. You don't have to thing. Well, what we end up here is that we're corrupted by matter because we know God is perfect. You know, matter is unworthy of God, right? So basically, it's a kid out in a Sunday best who falls in a mud puddle and is now covered with mud. And so what happened? This beautiful divine soul has been corrupted by matter which is the exact opposite of anything spiritual. Our bodies and things, ugh, you know, how could that be anything holy? So the idea was, you know, the, the idea of immortality of the soul and things. So there's this giant, this the terrible divine accident where our divine soul somehow got, in, got all messed up with matter. Okay. And what also it meant is that things originally bent together start dividing. So, for example, you probably didn't know this, is that in some Jewish mysticism, goes back to Philo, is uh, people actually thought that, you remember it says he made male and female, he created them, was uh, that the original human being, the Adam, meaning human being, Isha's a man, and Adam is human being, uh, was actually androgynous. You didn't see that one coming. Hmm. Hmm. So neither okay. male nor female. Well, both. I mean, they're just or, one. Or both and, yeah. Okay. Both and, yeah. I mean, uh, a, a bonus pronouns. Okay, it was just, um, you know, you have this. And so what happens is, uh, you know, so they suddenly became divided. Male and female, they were one, and suddenly we divide that. That's what the very existence of male and female is evil. It shows that there was no such thing. The division shows that things went desperately wrong. Part of getting involved in matter is things that should be together now are divided. Okay, so there's this kind of perfect, pure unity in God. Yes. Every, all diversity just comes from this big... Uh, cosmic earthquake and it don't you don't up. you know it don't you know it okay yeah. wow I so, could, man this is a pretty riveting uh, pretty yeah. riveting show I gotta say now how can we find our back to our origin he says the good news is Jesus now will be able to show us our way back and the secret is to see the truth that's what knowledge knowledge is the key if we find out what the truth really is if we can break through the appearances we'll find our way back Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the thing is, how can we see this truth? Is the idea is it's dramatic renunciation of matter in every way. For example, first of all, sex has to go. Oh, gee, please. <laughs> uh, the world around us—that's the worst. The worst thing is sex has to go. But so does anything worldly. The idea is you, you, you eat as little as you can. Things like that. Is the idea is the way you get back is anything that attaches to the physical is bad. So eating less, no sex, all that kind of thing is going to allow you to find your true spiritual being without all the mud eyes. Helps to get cleaned off of the mud. All of the material stuff around you is just kind of either illusory or it's it's leading you down the wrong path. You need to kind of uh, shear yourself of all of it, and that's the way path back to the the pure spirituality uh, of of God. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so much, so, or so far, so Gnostic. Um, well, let's, let's look at a few passages of the, uh, of the gospel. I'm really interested in what, what Jesus has to, has to say here. <laughs> uh, well, you won't be disappointed. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> okay. The first thing is at the very beginning says, these are the secret sayings, which the living Jesus spoke and which Didymus, Judas Thomas wrote down. Oh, so, so these are kind of asides or things that not everybody heard but are written down here exactly right one of the classic things of gnosticism is regular mortals like us who would you ever get it so we have special holy people who are in this position to really get it and so the idea of the gnostics always that jesus had really the inside teachings for the inner circle yes okay. the general stuff for everybody 
And then we have the inside teachings. So the secret sayings of Jesus that he wrote down. So it's esoteric. Got That's it. true of all Gnostics. And all Gnosticism, there are secret sayings. You know, the stuff he said publicly is just a hint of the really good stuff. Okay, I see. So these are the the secret. These are the these are the 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 upper level kind of platinum club um, teachings here. Oh, you've got it. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Then we have, and the next thing he says, the second one is, and he said, whoever finds the interpretation of these things will not experience death. So here's the key: is the way not to experience death, you know, to break this whole pattern is to get the knowledge, you know, if we find the interpretation. So the idea is Jesus, uh, you know, again, Jesus offers this, this knowledge. There's nothing he does. There's no talk about death or anything else. It's just he has the key to what it really all means. He can tell us. And that's our way to avoid death. Hmm. Okay, so this is about information. Uh, yes. Oh, information is everything. Yeah. I see. Information is power. And that that word even gnosis, gnosis, gnosis right. means knowledge, doesn't it? Yeah. It means it means that's what empowers you. If, if you know, you know that will save you. Your knowledge will save you. He's the great teacher. The next one, actually, I love this: is when you come to know yourself, then you will become known. See the word knowledge again, and you will realize that it that it is you who are the sons of the living father. Now here's really something interesting about this is there is no eschaton. Salvation is here and now. All of this is illusion of the matter and things. So we're not talking about some later day or Christ coming back. We're just talking about if, if you can just break through and tell me what's really going on here with this secret knowledge. That is what will save you. Then you will not only know, but you'll be realize that you'll find out the truth about yourselves that your soul is this divine gift of God. Mm. Mm. Okay. Um, it sounds very, honestly, it sounds very kind of a new agey. Yeah. It sounds very kind of like modern self-improvement or something like oh, that. You, that's or, why it became or, so popular. Like in the, about, about uh, in the eighties. Yeah. Like or really like the, the secret oh. or there's that book, um, the alchemist, uh, that was so popular. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 really ringing a bell here, Father Stephen. We're talking, yeah, we're talking about pyramid power here, dude. <laughs> pyramid power. It is power. Egypt. <laughs> yeah, it, it How is much Egypt. ancient okay. aliens have you watched, Father Stephen? <laughs> 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 okay, okay. Um, all right. So, so these are secret teachings. Uh, you know, there's a, a, a an inner, you know, inner spiritual soul. You need to find your way back to these sorts of things. Well, here's try this one. Jesus said to them, when you make the two one and you make the inside like the outside and the outside like the inside and the above like the below and when you make male and female one and the same so that the male may not be male nor the female the so that the male not be male nor the female. Mm, boy, that's 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 ringing even more bells, <laughs> Father Stephen. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah. I can see how this got uh, really popular uh, recently. Oh, wow. Um, quite recently. Uh, now that I love your enemy stuff, what can you do with that? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, seriously. So, so again, so this is, but, but, you know, in all seriousness, this is about ending all distinction or disparity. Right. That's not Restoring godly. A, a primal unity. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's this, this, this kind of unity of, uh, that we're all looking for. Okay. Because not only corrupted, but part of the corruption is we start dividing what's inherently one. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Okay, got it. So what we have now is Jesus is going to talk about, um, we're just six selected things that I'm particularly fond of. Jesus said, I took my place in the midst of the world and I appeared to them in flesh. I found all of them intoxicated. I found none of them thirsty. Well, we keep going. And my soul became afflicted for the sons of men because they are blind in their hearts and do not have sight. For empty they came into the world and empty too they seek to leave the world. But for the moment they are intoxicated. When they shake off their wine, then they will repent. So look at the point where it says, I found all of them intoxicated. I found none of them thirsty. What he was trying to say, intoxication is false knowledge. You know, we take the world as it appears to be rather than what it is. We're drunk in the sense that we, we, we actually believe this. You know, we can't, you know, when you're drunk, we can't, we don't have good perception. So he's saying, we're protected. He said, I bet, but none of them are thirsty. The water will take care of this, you know, the real thirst. Because they were drunk, they're not thirsty. He said, I found them intoxicated. They're into all the fake. But because they're intoxicated, they're actually not thirsty for the real. So, you know, I said, you know, what we need to do is get rid of that false knowledge and get the real thirst for the real thing. Hmm. That's, that's really interesting. It's like, uh, I don't know, I guess it, it reminds me of that movie uh the the matrix where you know you find out that the whole world is an illusion and it's actually been projected onto you um and it's the 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 um despair dispelling the illusion and finding the real but the people that are in in the illusion are just kind of intoxicated by the you've got it it's so much that's very much their their point of views is the secret is finding out that's all illusion that's what gnosticism tells us this is not what it appears to be well it's it's subtly um you know kind of seductive almost because uh it's in a sense it doesn't seem too far off from the message of of the other gospels you know jesus talks about men being blind and not having sight um and these sorts of things, but the key right is in what's the what's the content of these things? What's the object Jesus is is after? Right? Uh, I can see I can see how it could how it could confuse um, can, how it could confuse Jesus's other teachings. It's a Jesus without salvation in the sense that salvation is simply anyone could have brought the message. In the sense he has it, it's not something he does. For salvation is not an act of God. Is simply sharing secret information with the secret teaching. It's what we need in order to dispel the illusion. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's basically like an owner's manual. How do I run this remote and say, thank goodness, here's the owner's yeah, manual. Yeah, free your mind. So Jesus is, in a sense, kind of this, like, in, this, in, in as much as he's a messiah, he's a bringer of enlightenment. He's a bringer of knowledge. Uh, the best thing, he really is the Buddha, a Christian Buddha, and that is to say the one who is the enlightened one. The one who has found out, you know, the, the illusions, remember, you know, the, the, in Buddha, is that he finds the illusion of death, these kind of things. You know what the real truth is behind all of this, the source of pain and happiness. Jesus said, where there are three gods, they are gods. Where there are two or one, I am with him. You didn't expect what that What does that one, mean? Is that taking a shot at the Trinity or something? Or I don't know, that's weird. No, what he's trying to say is, ironically, is there's division is the the less there are, you know, if we have, you know, he said, where there are two or one, I'm with him. He said, that's where, as we we get rid of the division, suddenly that's where we come together. So he's saying, ironically, more people, the the less we have, the closer, then he can step in. It's all the division stops him from getting in. You know, we have to break out of this division. It's a strange saying, where there are three gods, there are gods. Where there are two or one, I am with him. So you think as long as there are a lot of people out there, you just hold the division. 
But when you stop having that division, there's only one person there. Then I can reunite with him. Again, you you did remember. Then we can reunite. Division bad, not division good. Okay, I see. So the more you're eliminating disparity and distinction, uh, the the closer you are to the path. You right. Know. You got it. You love this one. Jesus said, "The kingdom of the Father is like a certain man who wanted to kill a powerful man." In his own house, he drew his sword and stuck it into the wall in order to find out whether his hand could carry through. Then he slew the powerful man. Okay. You, you didn't see that one coming, did I you? Certainly Here's didn't. what it means. He's saying a guy, I love this, is, is Jesus saying, well, a guy was, was going to kill somebody. He said, I got to practice, see if I can do it. You know, you use my sword, I'll do it at home. And he said, but well, he's basically the need for asceticism here and now. He said, you need to practice so when this happens, think of that. He's saying, here, you need to do something now, meaning that you basically pull away from the world. Get away from all this stuff. Break your connection with matter. So he says, the kingdom of the Father is like a certain man who wanted to kill a powerful man. Okay. You, you, what do you have to do? You have to get ready. So in his own house, meaning by yourself, you start practicing. In your own house, you start drawing the sword and practicing. Hey, if I find this case, here's what I'm going to do. You have to get used to it so it'll be ready. Huh. It's a call for asceticism. Okay. Well, ex explain to me how how is, how is this giving, how is this suggesting a, 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 an ascetic way of life here? Well, he's saying that uh, basically the only way we can follow, uh, you know, Jesus, these teachings is Jesus is telling, here's the, here's the thing, guys, is you have to break from every, what stopped this is your attack to the mass. You got to get rid of this stuff. The, the, the way out is to break all connection with matter. Okay. So totally, you know, to, you know, to break it like, like a monk or something is really to break all your connection with matter. So the ascetic practices is kind of like practicing with a sword uh, yes. In order to, you know, slay the, the, I mean, gosh, it sounds kind of like a video game, Father Stephen. It's like, you know, before you, you, uh, you slay the big boss at the end of the level, you have to go, th you, you need to practice, mm -hmm. you know, you need to level your character up or something like that. Yeah. Okay. That's really, really interesting. Um, yeah. Well, the, the oddest thing is right at the very end of the thing is, you know, people are really interested in being very uh, with it and modern, and this is really going to offend a lot of people, I imagine. But people really got into this. Simon Peter said to him, this is Simon talking to Jesus at the very end of the Gospel of Thomas, uh -huh. let Mary leave us, for women are not worthy of life. Whoa! <laughs> okay. We're not finished. <laughs> Jesus said, I myself shall lead her in order to make her male, so that she too may become a living spirit resembling you males. For every woman who will make herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm, oh wow! Okay, yeah, we're we're deep into the uh, we're, oh, we're wow. deep deep into the Reddit thread here. <laughs> we've <laughs> at three a.m. and boy, we've 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 turned a corner. <laughs> okay. Well, here's why. Let me explain this to help us. We have a we have an indication of this, by the way. Is remember it says we Paul says to Timothy, a woman may be saved perhaps by childbirth. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people. Here's what that means. From a Gnostic point of view. The Gnostics hate every, women represent life. I mean, physical life. That's true, yeah. Sexuality, motherhood, nursing children. If you think matter, if you think life, real life is bad, woman is real life. You'll hate women. Mm, yeah. <laughs> no, and like their, 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 their bodies are literally designed in order to bring forth uh, life. You know, I got, a, I got a crash course in how carnal that can be when my, my, my first son was born. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that so you have to understand this thing. You're divided, but in a sense, within that division, a woman, because of her physicality, the fact she's the one who actually gives new life, we think it's beautiful. 
to a Gnostic is the worst possible thing. That I do. see. I see. Yeah, that makes creating so much matter. Sense. Yeah, creating matter. Ah! Yeah, and that's where Paul says, you know, so people are saved by childbearing. It's not something wrong. It's good. Right. Matters the problem. That was radical. Quit matters the problem. Quit. quit you know, your wombs are 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 becoming part of the problem here. You're contributing to it. I I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so that's the idea. And so the idea is the the male can stand for the, stand for the purely androgynous. Yeah, this complete kind of sexlessness and yeah, and, you know, it doesn't have any of the messiness. It doesn't have periods. Any of that it doesn't create children. Yeah, it's just yeah. a sort of there. And so within that dichotomy, it's like when we split is all the stuff that really represents life and all the ugliness as they see it is is the female versus the male, which is everything. Well, actually, none of that. So in in in, in ancient anthropology, they don't really see the the male side of the equation as being involved in that to the same degree. Uh, well, the, the Gnostics certainly did. They considered it, and this would be okay. other heresies as well. The Cathars, all the people who come from that, is the special thing people look down on women was exact. Well, for example, many of people, frankly, who are man-hating women, uh, women hated men, or, or other women who hate being women, is notice they hate everything to do with children. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of a, know, they say, well, you know, women would be great if they didn't have children and things. Right, you know? right. Kind of a rejection of that of that special. A rejection yeah. of that, that then we could just like men, you know, in the sense that we wouldn't have any of the life stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, we could just be these pure spirits in the sense of not creating all the messiness of life. Mm-hmm. So there is kind of a connection to some, some modern heresies as well. It's just a, oh, yeah. put in a very... <laughs> old-timey way (laughs) women are not worthy of life holy is the one thing you find out with with that with the gnosticism is basically is uh, women and children last yeah yeah in the sense of you know men could represent this idea of neutrality Mm -hmm. that we go beyond that whereas with women they're very inherently every month it's going to happen and things are going to have they're going to have children periods all those kind of things they represent life yeah the real thing so again the, <laughs> not metaphorical life life so this that really gives some some content to why they're so against the kind of the disparity of gender you know male and female it's, yeah. it's you're getting away from that disparity and getting toward unity why well largely because then you stop having uh, uh the the generation of new life um and that's a good thing <laughs> Uh, to them. Yeah, it's like some people now uh, in, a, in sort of abuses of, of, of the green movement and things look upon people as being parasites. Yeah, yeah, human life, you mean. Yeah, we need sexuality doesn't have children involved. Right, right. Human... More people, it, it violates the planet. Right, human life and all, all of its needs and, and all, all of the waste it brings, that sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, well, this is, boy, this has been a really exciting... Um, Boy, this is quite an exciting gospel. Uh, so, Father Stephen, I mean, where I we... I personally don't see any good news here. <laughs> yeah, well, I was about to say, uh, you know, this has been a really exciting uh, trip through this. You know, so have we been have we been missing out on the secret uh, on the secret knowledge for this long? Well, what I'm saying is going through this to tell you you're not missing anything. <laughs> okay, yeah. You are not missing anything. Yeah. There is no secret about the real Jesus. Uh, who he is and what he taught. We know the real thing. So again, people have this idea that somehow, that's not true, it's just not out there. It's not true that there was some other alternative gospel. Actually, what most scholars think now is that, you know, they say, well, maybe this is from like the first century or something. No, it isn't. It's the, it, it's the best, it's from the early second. You know, Gnosticism is a movement. It, it's, it comes, it's not early from that time. It just represents people trying to take Christianity and interpret it in Greek terms. 
Sure, sure. And, uh, you know, you know, we're still doing the same thing today. Uh, we see the same, the same attempts at that, at that today to kind of take the raw material of Christianity and spin it in a different direction or, or, or put a different shape to it. Well, I love what our Lord says when he's talking with Pilate, you know, actually when he's talking about the high priest, rather, excuse me, Annas. He says, you know, they said, well, what about this? He said, excuse me, everything I said in put a public. You have plenty of people tell you what I said. Why are you asking me? That's right. You have plenty of people. There's, no, there's nothing private here. There's nothing I've ever, Jesus denies any secret teachings. Like, everything I do is public. The last thing anyone accused me of is not being public in my teachings. <laughs> That's also a major defense of the true faith that a lot of the early fathers give is that yeah. this was the teaching that the apostles were, they gave, they, who the ones who were from Jesus, they gave it in public. They, everyone heard. Um, where, what's, and where we do talk you come about from? The, where did you get this? Right. We also have the thing in the gospels where, you know, the Lord tells us that he did come across with the disciples only to clarify saying, okay, lest anyone argue about this later. Yes, this is what the sower means. <laughs> It's not like here's the secret. Oh, that's just for those guys. Here's the real truth, guys. It's nothing about sowing at all. Uh, <laughs> it's not like that at all. Saying, yeah, let's get that on the, on the record. So it's not going to be who argue who really understands this. I will tell you because you have the special role. There, there could be no doubt. But there's there's nothing hidden about Jesus' teachings. Jesus is all about light, not darkness. Well, thanks so much, Father Stephen, and thank you for listening to Word and Table. We'll be back again next week for more on liturgy, sacraments, and the great tradition of Christian worship. Thanks for listening. <laughs>